It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah, down with the traitor. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews 98.5. This weekly Saturday program opens a window into local San Luis County public policy, policymakers, and the laws affecting you. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. I've practiced law in San Luis Obispo County since 1978, handling court cases for the Democratic Party and Republican officeholders. It's been my privilege to serve as Superior Court Special Master and as an elected Port San Luis Harbor Commissioner. I help folks with estate planning, real estate law, and government law. This show brings you the officials, lawyers, and activists who are or who want to shape law and local government. But today we're going to do something a little different given the uh, Independence Day holiday weekend. I'm going to go through the Declaration of Independence. Now, a lot of people think it was agreed to on July 4th. We celebrate July 4th because that's when the final printing was successfully done and copies were placed on fast horses with riders to fan out from Philadelphia to all of the 13 colonies to deliver this and read it in a public square in as many uh, capitals as could be as quickly as possible. But it was actually agreed to on July 2nd, 1776. And was primarily written, I, I think everybody knows, by Thomas Jefferson, but he was not the only author. Um, the other two authors were a uh, newspaper publisher, ben- Benjamin Franklin, who helped him change some of the language so it would be more acceptable to the ear of the colonists. And our second president of the United States, not yet formed the United States, John Adams, who was a very good writer, but he was disliked. And he actually recruited Thomas Jefferson to write it because he knew everybody liked Thomas Jefferson. So here's their final product. And I think it's fitting that we read it, and I think it's fitting that you sit down with your children and your family and read this and go through it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause and comment on a few things. And my uh, very good assistant, JC here, who runs the board, uh, if you have any questions or have any thoughts, absolutely chime in. Uh, the first phrase of this is, Very important. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, comma. I'm not going to read all the commas. But what's unique about this, I think, for today's audience, is the word united is not capitalized. Because what these were, were 13 united separate states in America. But here goes. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another 
and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to separate. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To provide this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. Every time we refer to he in this reading, that's the King of England. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. 
He has refused for a long time after such disillusions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. We're reading the Declaration of Independence, folks, here on Slow County Public Policy and the Law for the Independence Day holiday weekend. We'll proceed further. He, being the King of Great Britain, has endeavored to prevent the populations of these states for that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migration hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of land. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out our substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has effected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and acknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. For quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English law in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws and altering fundamentally the forms of our government, for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy, 
scarcely parallel in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy of the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens, taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose charter is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and holds them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. After the Declaration of Independence was written and approved, there were 56 patriots who signed it. And Michael W. Smith wrote a summary on what happened to those patriots. Each of them knew they were declaring independence from the King of England. And what was the price paid by the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence? They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor.
Five were captured, tortured, and killed by the British as traitors. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. Who were they? Twenty-four were lawyers and jurists. Eleven were merchants. Nine were farmers or large plantation owners. All were men of means and well-educated. Each signed the Declaration of Independence knowing that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships swept off the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in rags. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay and his family was kept in hiding for the entire war. His possessions were taken from him and poverty was his reward. Vandals and soldiers looted the properties of Ellery, Clymer, Hall, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson, Jr., one of the signers, noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters. Thomas Nelson quietly urged General George Washington to open fire, and the home was destroyed, and Nelson died in bankruptcy. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The British jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in the forests and caves, returning home to find his wife had died and his children had vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. Such were the stories and sacrifices of the American Revolution. These were not wild-eyed, rabble-rousing ruffians. They were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had security at the beginning of the war, but they valued liberty more, standing tall, straight, and resolute. They pledged for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence we mutually pledge to each other, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Fourth of July should be honored by all. At the beginning of our discussion of the Declaration of Independence today, I noted uh, who the authors were. And on July 2nd, uh, when it was actually agreed to and signed by all 56 of the men who uh, put their names to it, John Adams wrote home to his wife, Abigail. And in his letter, he said that the second day of January should be honored by all with festivities, parades, 
and illuminations. By that he meant fireworks. Um, And he said that it would echo around the world and would be celebrated forever as the most significant advancement in human freedom uh, since the dawn of time. Today, of course, we do celebrate it, but we celebrate it on the 4th because they had to print it and they had to send it on fast horses to all of the major cities in the colonies to be read and announced. If you're in San Luis Obispo County, there are a few places where you can celebrate with illuminations. And, uh, of course, there are places where it's not legal to have fireworks. But if you'd like to watch fireworks, you can go to the city of Arroyo Grande and the city of Grover Beach. Uh, They're going to have uh, safe and sane fireworks, I'm sorry, and Oceano. Um, so there are the South County communities uh, are well fixed. In Cambria, there will be celebrations um, and fireworks are back. Uh, there will also be live music, relay races, pie eating contests. In Paso Robles, there will be a spectacular fireworks display put on by the city. Uh, it will not be legal to bring your own by the way. Uh, They will have a vibrant kid zone. And Pismo Beach, of course, is going to have a significant display off of the pier. Uh, You can even buy tickets so you can get in close. Uh, The Cayucas Pier uh, will have uh, fireworks shot from there, and that's a wonderful place to watch them. Uh, You can get out on the beach, get your uh, picnic going, and stay for the evening. So if you have a chance, go to all of these events. Uh, I don't know if Templeton is having fireworks in the park this year, but uh, if they are, that's also a wonderful place to go. Well, thank you for listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law today and our special on Independence Day. Be back next week. We're going to be speaking with one of the candidates for 5th District Supervisor. We're going to be speaking with Heather Moreno, who is one of the candidates for the 5th District Supervisor in the election coming up in March of 2024.